This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 7, 2017 edition of On the Daily, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Heath Kruger. You can follow me on Twitter at HeathK, and my co host is none other than the big NASCAR GPP tourney winner himself, Nick Giffen. Find him on Twitter at RotoDocNick. Big congrats again on your win this weekend. How are you doing today? Hey, Heath. I am doing great. I mean, week one is here, coming off a big NASCAR win. Uh, it's pretty cool to be able to say I'm the very first person ever to win the NASCAR Thunderdome, the $5,000 buy-in GPP. Uh, that was the first one they've ever had in the history of, of NASCAR DFS. And uh Nice little bankroll booster right before NFL season, but I'm, man, I'm... Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready for week one. What about you? Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. I've been, I've been going over my lineups, you know, for the past two weeks. I think... The first week is really the one that always gets you because you overanalyze to an extent, which I'm, I'm really trying not to do. So I got my thoughts and I'm really just going to, you know, start throwing them against the wall here and kind of, and see what you think. So, you know, let's just get started because we got a lot to cover today, Nick. So, um, let's just start with your general thoughts on the first week of the NFL season. Are you making any adjustments to your play in how you're going to approach this week? Um, whether it's reflected in your player choice, the amount of games you aim to play? Um, or really anything to that effect. Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm really doing week one is I'm just trying to get a major hold of volume, 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 and figuring out which players will have the most volume relative to their salary, but then also factoring in some upside. And I know Josh Hermsmeyer at Rotoviz is uh, our head of analytics. He's working on a couple different DFS apps. Uh, one of them is a defensive app, so we can gauge defensive matchups a little bit better. He's also working on a, a, a distribution app where you can kind of take players past distribution in certain under certain conditions, and that way you can kind of gauge an upside, you can gauge an ownership percentage, and then figure out your leverage there. So I'm putting all these new tools together, these new fancy tools we've got, in addition to all the classic things I've been using in the past, things like uh, Evan Silva's matchup column, Ben Gretsch's Vegas lines column, where he breaks down the Vegas lines, not just in terms of uh, – 
point total and, and spread and all that stuff, uh, but or team total. But then he breaks the team total down into what proportion of, of those points have been scored on the ground or in the air for these teams and uh, versus the defense, how much are they let on the ground and in the air. And, and so it really gives you a better idea of where we think the points will come through. So, you know, when we say a team total of 28, well, does that mean 28 points on the ground, 15 points on the ground, and 13 in the air? How many for kicking, all that? So we don't, you know, a team total has so much more meaning than just a single number. And what Ben's article does is it's great. It breaks it down by more than that. So uh, I'm adding all of Josh's new tools in there in addition to a lot of the stuff I already use in my process. And then week one, I'm really not focused on Vegas lines too much. We know the least amount this year. So uh, not that I'll be fading Vegas lines. I just won't be paying a ton of attention to them. The only, like we talked about last week, the main places I'll be paying attention to them are to gauge ownership levels and uh, really kind of use them as leverage off of players I think will be high-owned that I don't think should be high-owned. Yeah, great stuff, Nick. It, it, you know, bouncing off of that, um, Josh's stuff has just been fantastic. You know, Ben, like you mentioned, Ben's Vegas lines, another fantastic weekly article that's going to be coming out from Rotoviz. Um, in particular, I think the one that I enjoyed the most was the racer by depth of target. I found that really interesting because you can look – at the opposing defenses racer by depth of target and you can kind of play you know essentially a matching game and determine you know kind of if a a secondary has been especially um prone to giving up completions you know in the 10 to 15 yard range which wide receiver on the uh team that is going to be playing them is going to really see a lot of their volume there and it really could kind of open yourself up to to see some play that you wouldn't really think of yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and when I meant about the DFS, the defensive DFS app, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The opposing, you know, the defensive depth of target, the racer versus depth of target. And, uh, one of the things I noticed last year for, or well, when Josh and I went back and looked at last year was that week where I always talk about this because it involves my favorite player. Uh, and it also involves, uh, a NASCAR DFS guy who won the millionaire maker. But, uh, the, the week Malin 21 won the millionaire maker week six last year. He had Kenny Britt at like 4% ownership when Tavon was like 30, 35% ownership, leveraged off of Tavon, played Kenny Britt. And when I went back and looked, so it was the Rams playing the Lions. When I went back and looked at the Lions, uh, they were giving up a lot of, of racer relative to the depth of target around the 15 to 25 yard range. Kenny Britt gets more volume than a normal receiver in that range. And he's also much higher efficiency in that, that depth range than a lot of receivers. So it was a perfect matchup for Britt. Tavon was the chalk because supposedly he had a nice slot matchup against Quandre Diggs, but apparently Diggs allowed a lot of, uh, you know, of those points coming at deeper depths of target. So Tavon, A, is a terrible receiver. B, it wasn't really the right depth profile that Detroit allowed. Tavon was shut down. Kenny Brinoff went off for a huge day. Perfect way to leverage. So I'm going to be using things like that this year. The, the racer by depth of target. That's going to be a huge part of our, our process, I think, this year. Yeah, and I would say that's kind of quite contrarian to the way a lot of DFS players really go about picking matchups for that week, too, which I'm sure we will cover as we go, as we move into the season. But, but yeah, let's move on. I want to remind everyone that you get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, that's including DFS content, and it also supports the pod. All right, Nick, let's begin Cash game plays for this week. Um, you know, we're always looking for the safer plays. Um, I guess it's kind of a little bit of a misnomer going into week one as we think we know a lot more than we do. 
So, yeah, let's just start with the quarterback position. Who's the guy that you're looking at for your cash game lineups this week? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting week. I think there's a, a couple names you could mention at the quarterback position. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz on DraftKings, 5,300, comes in at a nice bargain, gets a good matchup against Washington. Teams tend to throw against Washington and, and throw very well against Washington. So he's in play at 5,300. If you also want to to pay up, I think Russell Wilson's in an interesting situation going against Green Bay. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Russell Wilson has the more favorable matchup of the two, him and Aaron Rodgers. He's $100 cheaper and then finally, I also think Carson Palmer is in an interesting situation. So when I'm building my cash game lineup, those are the three names I have in mind. Palmer at 6000 on DraftKings uh, also had a bit of a discount to you know to the Russell Wilson, who I mentioned. But he's got a, a good matchup at Detroit in a dome, uh, so there won't be any weather concerns. It'll be a little bit faster paced. Uh, so those are the three I'm looking at, and I'm honestly probably plugging in the quarterback position last in my cash game lineup this week. And it's probably going to be one of those three, depending on how the rest of my roster construction works out. Uh, I'm curious to your thoughts on, on the quarterback position as well in cash games. You know, you kind of echoed my thoughts. Exactly. Um, I started with about a list of five. Um, I had Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, uh, Carson Palmer and Carson Wentz that I started with. And I really whittled it down to those three simply just due to matchup um, with Russell Wilson, 6,900, uh, versus Aaron Rodgers, who has to play that Seattle defense, who I think is going to be a lot more stout um, going up against Rodgers. Uh, with Carson Palmer, it's just you have such a nice matchup for 6,000, taking on the you know the lowly Detroit Lions defense in a situation to where you know the Lions could run up the score as well and force Palmer to throw more than he may uh, be accustomed to. And then Carson Wentz for 5,300, he's just kind of like that perfect price play against a you know a pretty poor Washington Redskins defense in a week to where you're really going to have to look to save money to try to get up to those two big running backs. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's exactly my thoughts. We kind of echoed the same thing there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the quarterback position, I really do think I'm going to address last this week because I'm comfortable with any of those. I, I don't honestly think we necessarily even need to pay up for Russell Wilson, especially if you're one of those people who wants to jam in, you know, team jam him in on the running back side or, or you know, maybe you want to play like a, a, a Antonio Brown cash or something like that. I mean, we'll talk about our wide receiver and our running back cash game plays in a minute, but certainly I think Quarterback is one of the positions I'm filling last this week uh, in my cash games. Great stuff, Nick. Let's move on to the running back position. So I think it's pretty clear that uh, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson are going to be the two names that a lot of people are going to be trying to force into their lineups, but they're not really coming at that discount we were getting last, you know, last season when DJ was for some reason just floating in that 7,300, 7,500 range. Now you really got to pay up. I think it's ninety four hundred and ninety five or ninety six hundred uh, for for both of them, and respectively. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on the running back position this week, Nick? Yeah, running back is interesting as well. Obviously, you can do you know team jam them in. You can play both Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. It certainly means you're gonna have to find value elsewhere. But I think there is value in this slate. Uh, obviously, week one. There's been some some injuries. There's been some maybe just mispricings. Uh, you know, it's really hard to price as as precise as possible early in the season. That said, I don't think there's any gaping massive values or anything like that. Um, especially now that Zeke is back, even Darren McFadden's not a value on FanDuel because he's not going to be playing on FanDuel this week. So 
if you're looking at DraftKings, um, you know, there, there's there's definitely always the case to be made for Team Jim and Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Well, Sean McCoy also very good at home uh, when they're a home favorite, uh, you know, throughout his career. So Josh Hermsmeyer, again, with his his app that he's working on, it's not released yet, but another app he's working on. Uh, is a distribution app where you can filter by certain situations, and LaShawn McCoy just crushes. He has a really high floor, around 20 points, uh, or not floor, I should say, an average of around 20 points uh, when he is a home favorite throughout his career. So uh, I'd certainly like LaShawn McCoy in cash as well. If you want to go find value plays, it's got to be Carlos Hyde for me. Carlos Hyde is the guy I love this week in cash games. Um, again, another guy who not only has huge upside relative to his price, but he's the featured back there in San Francisco. Uh, Kyle Shanahan offense, he's going to get plenty of touches. Whenever he gets above 15 touches, his median uh, points projection is around 16. And so for a player who is at uh, 4,600, 16 points is going to be great. Uh, I, I think he'll be... Maybe a little less chalky in tournaments, but I really like him in cash games as a value play. If you want to, you know, again, do team jam in, you're going to need to find value elsewhere. You could play Carlos Hyde in your flex if you want to play two of those more expensive running backs. Did you have anybody else on your list uh, of running backs here, Heath? Yeah, I, th- I started with a couple more names that I, I don't think I'm really going to roll with them. I, I considered Amir Abdullah at one point at 4,300 just because of, you know, the expected volume, you know, what we saw in the preseason outsnapping theoretic. Uh, 24-8 in that key third preseason game. I thought that was pretty interesting, but it, it is a relatively tough match if it gets to Arizona. Um, Jonathan Stewart, I think, is a fine play. I think he's right around 5,500. Uh, if he scores a couple of touchdowns, um, could be very nice for him, but he, he really lacks the volume with Christian McCaffrey there in the backfield pairing with him. So I don't know if I'm willing to put him in my cash games. Uh, the one I thought was really interesting, and a lot of people are going to be on him. He's at a relatively decent price. I, I just can't see myself getting all that excited. That was Todd Gurley at 6,000 taking on the Indianapolis Colts. There's not going to be too many games where the Los Angeles Rams are going to be favored. They're at home, um, taking on a, you know, a very poor defense with an offense that's not going to be able to really put any points up on them, even with Aaron Donald missing. What are your thoughts on Todd Gurley and cash games? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a case to be made for Todd Gurley in cash games. You mentioned it. They're not going to be favored in many games. In fact, my Pythagorean win model, uh, which is where I adjust uh, you know, all these numbers for strength of schedule and, and points for and points against that they had last year, uh, I, I use the Pythagorean Pat version of it for those of you who might be inclined in sabermetrics. It only gives the Rams around uh, a four-win projection or less total this year, fewer wins than they had last year. So... Uh, um, you know, the, uh, the Rams just aren't a very good team, but then you've got the whole Andrew Luck out situation. Uh, Indianapolis is a little bit banged up on defense. Vontae Davis, not sure if he's going to play at this point in time as we're recording this. So, uh, it's a good situation. I just think, you know, it's, it's still a low total. It's a 41 and a half point total game as of right now. Um, and I think his touch prognostication is probably similar to Carlos Hyde. So if it's a one versus one with those two, I'm going to take the discount on Carlos Hyde all day at 4,600, a $1,400 discount on DraftKings. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, that's the way I'm going to go in, in DraftKings. I think I'm going to, you know, go with both. Neither of these two also, I should make the point here. 
have really been pass-catching backs throughout their career. And on a site which is full PPR like DraftKings, I do like passing. And if, if neither of them have shown that throughout their career, that's all we know. We could maybe expect Todd Gurley to do a little more in the passing game. But right now we haven't seen that. It is a new offense uh, under you know a new coach. Maybe they try to throw to Todd Gurley a little bit more. But until we see that, it's not a safe enough bet for me. So I'd rather just drop the 1400 to Carlos Hyde. I also wanted to touch on Jonathan Stewart. I think you're right. I think with the fact that he'll be splitting touches with McCaffrey there, not enough volume for me. We're going to get more volume out of Carlos Hyde at that $500 discount. And, and then you also mentioned Amir Abdullah. Uh, he is a discount to Carlos Hyde, a $300 discount. But you're right. He's not going to get a, the, the full complement of passing game work there with the Oritic, a little bit harder matchup. And again, there's still a bit more unknown there with Abdullah than Hyde, who is the very clear number one in San Francisco. Matt Breda is the backup there, but he's uh, purely a backup at this point. So I, I really like Carlos Hyde as my cash game play in the cheaper range this weekend. Great stuff, Nick. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. One I found a lot of plays at. Uh, I think this is going to be the position at which I can really kind of play around with a lot of different options because um, I found a lot of guys that I like. Who are the guys that you really kind of find yourself liking for cash games? Yeah, it's interesting. The wide receiver position is funny because uh, I think I'm going very different in cash than I am in GPPs this week. Uh, a name that really stands out, I think, to a lot of people is Larry Fitzgerald in that matchup against Detroit. But, uh, you know, he plays there in the slot. He got a lot of volume last year. Uh, I expect that volume to continue. I mean, at the at one point in the preseason when Bruce Arians was really pissed off at his wide receivers, you know, he basically only said that Larry Fitzgerald and Jerron Brown are the only two wide receivers we have that have done anything to this point in the preseason. You look at Larry Fitzgerald's game log. I mean, we, we we're looking at 10, 12, 14, 11, 18, 11 targets at times. There was also some nines, eight, sevens. And then there are two four target games, which I, I think is his like absolute worst floor last year. We probably can project similar this year at this point in time he'll be working in the slot against you know maybe a slot cornerback uh, that isn't very good but uh, again he's at those shorter depths so uh, I love him in cash games I think he's he's much more talented than Tavon Austin so if we're you know we're talking the same Detroit defense that we saw last year or a very similar one uh, there's a big difference in talent between Larry Fitzgerald and Tavon Austin uh, so I, I definitely like Larry Fitzgerald in cash games and then I've really kind of, uh, you know, been juggling around my wide receivers in cash games. Uh, obviously, Antonio Brown is in play, but it's going to be hard to use both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And certainly Antonio Brown takes a hit. If you look at the road of his splits app, he takes a hit when Le'Veon Bell plays. 28 PPR points per game when Le'Veon Bell does not play versus 20, 22, somewhere in that range when he does. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I remember it off the top of my head. It was in that 20 to 22 range when Le'Veon does play. So takes a little bit of a hit there, so I'm probably avoiding Antonio Brown. I think Julio Jones is a safer cash game play at 8,500. So, uh, you know, a very good matchup against the Bears. They're, they're heavily favored. They should move the ball pretty easily, just like Pittsburgh should against Cleveland. But I do worry a little bit about that Cleveland defense. A lot of improvements there, I think, on defense could put some pressure on Big Ben. Uh, and then finally, Pierre Garçon, 5,300. I think he's, it's, it's, again, it's going to be tough to play both Carlos Hyde and Pierre Garçon. It's hard to play players from the same team. But if you find yourself on Team Jam I'm in at, uh, at running back and you don't put in Carlos Hyde, then you can go over to Pierre Garçon and play him in cash games that way. The other alternative, like I said, is maybe you leave off Le'Veon Bell, you go with Carlos Hyde, and then you pay up for a guy like Antonio Brown or maybe Julio Jones. But 
that way you're not playing two Pittsburgh Steelers or two San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I still think it's actually okay to play two from the same team, um, not because they – certain ones might not have negative correlation. They don't necessarily have positive correlation, so it may not be a GPP winning play, but they might not take away from each other. And I think Pierre Garçon's going to get his volume and Carlos Hyde will get their volume. So they're both good discount plays I see here. Uh, I, I would like to avoid playing two from the same team if possible, but I don't think it's necessarily – going to happen that way. So I, right now, just in terms of volume, I think Pierre Garçon is a clear number one in San Francisco for wide receiver. Uh, we saw that in the preseason. He just got a ton, a ton, a ton of targets. And uh, so I'm going to be on Pierre Garçon, I think, in cash games, and I'm going to be on Larry Fitzgerald as my discount plays if I'm jamming in the running backs. Great stuff, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much on all those guys as well. A couple of names I thought I'd throw in there um, as options for cash games. I think Doug Baldwin at 6,700. Going up against the Green Bay Packers, I expect that game to be a shootout. Um, and Doug Baldwin has just always been Russell Wilson's guy. And whenever Russell Wilson has been healthy the past couple seasons, he's really just lit it up and shown the you know the capability to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. And Baldwin is just a volume guy. So I think at a at a price of 6,700, um, that that should work just fine. And then also one more, Michael Crabtree at 6,000. I think I'm going to be I, I like Amari Cooper a lot this week. Um, but he has not necessarily been a guy who is, uh, I should say, suited for cash game lineups, as he seems to be very up and down. Michael Crabtree seems to get that steady flow of targets, um, especially in the red zone, to where I think, you know, this, with how poor this Oakland defense is, um, Derek Carr is going to have to shoulder a lot of the effort if they're going to get some wins this year. So I expect Michael Crabtree to see a lot of targets against a poor secondary in the Tennessee Titans and uh, pretty easily return on that on that 6K cost yeah i think that's definitely fair and then there's one name we probably should touch on because of a an injury situation and that's kendall wright at 3200 uh right now it looks like he's going to be pretty heavily owned in gpps i think uh just because he's down there at 3200 he should get a lot of volume uh he played 12 of the 18 snaps after cam meredith went down in the preseason and he's got a pretty good matchup against atlanta who does does a lot better against the deep ball than they do against the short ball, at least in terms of if you look at Josh's uh, racer by depth of target. So Atlanta was very good against the deep ball, not so good against the short ball. And I think that's Kendall Wright's specialty there. Uh, they'll probably need to throw a lot playing from behind against Atlanta would be my best guess. So I think Kendall Wright could see a decent amount of volume with a, a guy, Mike Lennon, who doesn't exactly have the strongest arm there. So Kendall Wright could be a go-to and a name you could play in cash games uh, certainly this weekend, I think, as well, depending on your philosophy. It's really, really uh, a punt play, but I think it's a punt play that could have enough volume. Definitely, definitely. Let's move on to the tight end position. So um, tight end is kind of a little bit of a mess this week. A lot of the big names are stuck on either Thursday night uh, with Travis Kelsey and Gronk or stuck in the Monday night lineups. Um, Kyle Rudolph, the, the two tight ends in San Diego, um, so the options are a little more limited than normal. Do you happen to have a guy that you kind of really came upon as the guy you're just really going to be, you know, rolling with all your catch game lineups this week? Yeah, on DraftKings, it is, uh, is 100% going to be Zach Ertz. It's just a, such a clear, clear, clear cut value, uh, down there at 3,400. 
He was a target monster at the end of the year last year. He gets a decent matchup against Washington, and Jordan Matthews has now been dealt out of town, so that could open up more targets over the middle for Zach Ertz. I mean, otherwise it's Nelson Aguilar, and I don't really trust Nelson Aguilar on that inside on those inside routes there. So I think Zach Ertz is just going to sap up so much volume. It's going to be, you know, pretty incredible. I think for for Zach Ertz. Uh, I think on on FanDuel it becomes a little bit harder, uh, especially because you know Delaney Walker's priced up. Uh, you, you got Ertz who is priced up as well at fifty nine hundred. Um, you know Jason Witten fifty four hundred is a little bit interesting, but uh, you know I might actually just drop down a lot further on FanDuel and, and maybe punt the position. I don't have a ton of punt plays I really like, but uh, you could make a case for Austin Hooper on the Atlanta Falcons just because they have such a high team total. And that is one of those things I look for. Austin Hooper will be the, you know, the featured tight end there. So um, don't love it. Don't love the position at all on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, it is very, very clearly Zach Ertz for me. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to throw some other names around to kind of see if, I, you know, maybe a Jimmy Graham or a Greg Olson and it's somewhat nice matchups, but it's just, it, it's going to be hard to match Ertz's value this week. He's, you know, he's priced fairly low, relative to what he's capable of. Like you said, when Jordan Matthews was out last season, he saw a huge increase in targets on average. Um, and, and, yeah, he's the primary beneficiary of a, a quarterback in Carson Wentz. I think he's going to play in a very conservative offense with Doug Peterson. So, yeah, I think Ertz is slated for just to see a ton of volume. And it's just I think he's just kind of like that one value guy that you really just kind of put in all your cash game lineups. All right, let's move on. We're going to go to our next segment here, Contrarian Corner. So we're going to – Recommend some plays that maybe some low ownership percentage plays, some plays that are off the you know off the grid that you may be able to put into your lineups and could hit, um, and you could hit and really you know with those low ownership type plays really shoot you up the tournament draft boards um, and kind of set yourself up for a nice win if it does happen to hit. So let's start with the quarterback position, Nick. Who do you got as your um, maybe guy or guys that you're considering as a you know maybe someone that. Um, it hasn't been thrown around uh, all that much this week. Sure. So let's start at the, the quarterback position here. Uh, I think we'll probably mix it up next week, but I want to just go right down the order this week. And uh, we'll start with Aaron Rodgers. He's my guy here. I love him this weekend. He is a player I will have a lot of probably 15, 20, 25 percent of him. I think, I think, I think, I think there's a chance he goes under 10 percent owned. He might be right around that 10 percent cutoff. Uh, but, you know, especially because people see Seattle, they see tough matchup. But Aaron Rodgers has the probably the highest median projection, one of the highest ceiling projections on the slate. Uh, and, you know, the matchup against Seattle is tough, but he does. They do a lot there in Green Bay and they've got Ty Montgomery as their featured back who is involved a lot in the passing game as well. So this is a pass first team. Aaron Rodgers should put up, uh, you know, a, a total in the 20s. And there's always a chance he, he gets two or three touchdown passes, maybe even runs one in. He certainly has over 30-point upside. That's what you want from your quarterback. You want at least 30 points. Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks who can get you 30 points, and he'll do it at low-owned. And, and remember when we talked last week about Millie Maker trends, all of the quarterbacks last year in the Millie Maker winning lineups except twice 
were under 10% owned, and both the other two times was Kirk Cousins. Aaron Rodgers was uh, a million maker winner once when he was under 10% owned last year. If we get him under 10% owned, I'm going to be all over him. Another quarterback that I think uh, I really like using is the pivot off of Carson Palmer in that game, Matthew Stafford. If we like Carson Palmer this week, if we think he's going to put up a big number, then Matthew Stafford will probably have to play catch up as well, or at least uh, try to put up a big number. He's only going to be, I think, maybe uh, you know, 6% owned or less, 5% or less, something like that. I, I, that's probably where I would have him around there. Uh, and, and we saw that game last year against the Rams where he was in the winning lineup. Uh, I talked about how Kenny Britt was. Well, in that same game, Matthew Stafford and Golden Tate were in the winning lineup. So I think there's a possibility Matthew Stafford could be in the winning lineup again. Uh, Arizona last year, when you adjust for the, you know, for the salary. So if you look at Fantasy Labs, for example, and you look at their p- adjusted plus minus metric, Arizona actually gave up 4.6 positive 4.6 plus minus. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I like that because that means Arizona was over adjusted in price or sorry, quarterbacks were over uh, over adjusted in price. They were decreased a lot further than they should have been against Arizona last year. Maybe that trend's continued a little bit this year. And Matthew Stafford down at 6,100. You know, when you compare him to some of the quarterbacks ahead of him, I think he's probably been over adjusted. Tyrod Taylor, Dak Prescott, for example, even Derek Carr. I think you could make a case that Matthew Stafford should be priced up around there in the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr range. Price a little bit too low. So I think he's another contrarian play. I'm going to be on this weekend. Yeah, you pretty much just kind of echoed my my exact thoughts. I, the only one more name I want to throw out there, just um, as a as a potential play this weekend, Derek Carr, sixty seven hundred on DraftKings, take on the Tennessee Titans. I really just look every week for my GPP quarterbacks. Um, not as much. I, I do look as a, at opposing defenses, of course, as you know, you want uh, defenses that are willing to give up points to opposing quarterbacks. Um, it's just kind of something you want in there. But really, more so, you want to look at games that are going to Dictate uh, a game flow to where you're going to see a lot of pass attempts on both sides. And this Oakland-Tennessee game really has that potential as this Oakland defense is, again, you know, it's not going to be very good. Um, neither will be Tennessee's. Yet both offenses really possess the potential to put up a lot of points on each other. And if that's the case and Derek Carr is able to really put up a, you know, a lot of touchdowns on the board at, at an ownership percentage to where I think a lot of people are going to be on Marcus Mariota uh, considering they're at home. Um, I think Derek Carr, you know, poses that same kind of potential of being under 10% owned. Well, you know, if he has the potential to put up 30 points. All right, let's move on to the running back position, Nick. Um, so I, I think it's reasonable to expect a lot of people are going to have, you know, Le'Veon Bell, DJ, uh, probably even Carlos Hyde. Um, are there any kind of, you know, contrarian type running backs that you're looking to put into your lineups this week? Certainly. Yeah, I think the running back position might be the the most difficult for me this week. And I actually think it's going to be the one I'd probably address. Uh, whereas I mentioned, I'll probably address the quarterback position last in cash games. Obviously, I'm starting with stacks and GPP. So I'll be starting with quarterbacks a lot of the time uh, and, and then a wide receiver. So I might actually come to running back maybe even the last, even maybe even behind tight end, maybe even behind defense in some cases. And I'll really address the running back position last. Uh, I, this play isn't really a contrarian play, but I think he's a good leverage play off of Le'Veon Bell and, and David Johnson. And that's LaShawn McCoy. He's going to have lower ownership. Uh, I did talk in the cash game segment about him that, uh, you know, he, he has a very high median projection when he's a favor at, at home. This Jets team is, is probably pretty bad, uh, overall. And, uh, you know, I think the Bills will be ahead. The Bills offensive line is very good. They were one of the best offensive lines last year. And, and the offensive line play is also pretty sticky year over year. I mean, Dallas is the perfect example of that. DeMarco Murray, then Darren McFadden, then Ezekiel Elliott were all very fantasy relevant three years in a row with that great 
Dallas offensive line. Buffalo had one of the best offensive lines. Every single rusher, which includes LaShawn McCoy, Mike Gillisley, and I'm also including uh, Tyrod Taylor in there, were all over one yard per carry over expectation on the ground. So that really points to an offensive line that was just phenomenal. I, I went back and watched the Mike Gillsley tape and there were just huge holes for Gillsley to run through sometimes. I, I was doing that on purpose because I wanted to, uh, you know, look at, at Gillsley and if he was also able to evade tackles because now he's on a new team. So LaShawn McCoy, I like as a leverage play off of Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Maybe you avoid both of them completely. You take that little bit of savings, then you can pay up elsewhere. So LaShawn McCoy, not necessarily a contrarian play, but a leverage play that I like in this, uh, you know, this contrarian corner segment. I think it is a little bit contrarian to go away from both Le'Veon and Zeke, who project to be pretty high owned. Another name that I think will get almost no run is Lamar Miller. He's still the feature back on that Houston team. He'll get a lot of touches and they are favored against Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is a game where five and a half points, uh, you're at home, a, a volume play. And if he gets one touchdown and a hundred yards, he'll more than cover that $5,100 price tag. And nobody's going to be on him. I mean, nobody's going to be on, on Lamar Miller. I think he's going to be a back that's under 10%, probably even under 5% owned. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people will gravitate towards, as we mentioned, Todd Gurley. I can see Devonte Freeman getting a lot of work because they're favored against the bears. Certainly he could get a lot of ownership percentage. Uh, so I like Lamar Miller. And then one name which I, I was kicking around with Josh Hermsmeyer a little bit is Jeremy Hill. Uh, you know, Hill is just really about touchdown upside. I don't think he's about volume. I think he's just about touchdown upside. If he vultures that goal line work away from Joe Mixon, Cincinnati is favored by, by three points. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a very contrarian play, but he's going to be probably 2% or less owned. And, you know, when we're talking contrarian plays, I like to hit my upside there. Uh, I, I think he's a good play. And then one last name I'll throw at. You always want to play uh, Theo Riddick, I think, when you can get him less than, you know, 6 8% owned in a game that could turn into a shootout. So I certainly like Theo Riddick as well. Yeah, you pretty much just hit on every one of my guys, Nick. And you cover them well. So I, I don't really have a lot to add. I think the only name I had on my list that you may not have had would be um, DeMarco Murray, 7,400. I'm um, taking on Oakland. He's a guy that, you know, I don't think game script necessarily has to play in his favor with the Tennessee Titans because they just showed a proclivity to just, you know, just use him over and over and over again last year, um, even when they were behind. So it's, he's a guy that I'm not essentially too excited about. I don't, I you might sprinkle him in here and there, but, um, against an, an Oakland defense that has really not been all that great up front, I think DeMarco Murray could, um, get him a lower ownership percentage at 7,400, considering all the nice plays up at the top there and the addition of Ezekiel Elliott now this week. Uh, right above him at 8100. Yeah, and see this is why you're on the show with me because you were you use words like proclivity that I don't even know what the hell it means because <laughs> I'm a math I'm a math numbers guy. So this is this is why we keep you around. No, it's it's a it's a, just something hilarious I noticed there because I still don't know what that word means. I'm not really sure I know what it means either. So we're just going to move on to the next segment. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the contrarian wide receiver position, Nick. Who are some guys that um you know really you could play at any um any salary point this week? I like guys from top to bottom. Are there any ones that really stuck out to you you think will come in at a low ownership percentage and have some real high upside for tournaments this week? Certainly. I think there's so much value on the cheap end of the wide receiver position this week uh in terms of upside. Just 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 a ton of names and and these are three names that are all going right around the same time in drafts like in actual you know snake drafts and things like that the first one i kind of alluded to this in the cash game portion i, I mentioned larry fitzgerald is a great cash game play but john brown i think 
could be a very good GPP play this weekend. We saw those two touchdowns from him in that third week preseason game. If he's going to continue to get that workload, I like it. We mentioned Detroit and how they are better in the short game, which could maybe be a negative for Larry Fitzgerald there. Uh, and then they're worse in the long game. And, and that, that, that trend wasn't only just through the first four weeks of last year. It stuck through the rest of the year as well. If they continue to be poor against the deep ball, we've seen John Brown take some home run balls and, and occasionally twice in a single game get over 100 yards a few times, he could get that volume. Uh, I, I think his upside is there. I just wonder how many snaps he'll play. Hopefully, if he plays enough snaps, he will have that that massive upside. We saw it in that week three preseason game. Uh, I just need to make sure I'm a little confident in his volume there, and then I will feel pretty good about his upside. Uh, if you look at if Josh Hermsmeyer's Air Yards app, or not his Air Yards app, his distribution app, which, again, is still a work in progress. It's not out publicly yet, but... Of course, we get to sneak preview test it there at Rotoviz. Uh, John Brown and Larry Fitzgerald, relative to their salaries, actually have pretty similar upside to what you would need to win a Millionaire Maker contest. And there's going to be a huge disparity in ownership percentage. So if we're playing Carson Palmer, I like some Carson Palmer, John Brown stacks, leveraging off of Larry Fitzgerald and not playing Larry Fitzgerald. A couple other names I mentioned in that price point, Kenny Britt, his depth of target profile matches up perfectly with Pittsburgh. Kind of like we saw with Detroit last year, Pittsburgh has almost exactly the same profile as Detroit in terms of the depth of target, racer versus depth of target. Kenny Britt, I really like that play 4,800. He should see plenty of volume there in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is one of three teams, and Heath, you helped me out doing this when we were on our road of his Slack chat, one of three teams that had two wide receivers, uh, get uh, at least 22% target share last year and uh, get close to you know 50 total percent target share. Uh, it was Cleveland, Oakland, of course, with the Cooper and Crabtree combination. And then Demarius Thomas and Manuel Sanders actually combined for about 50% there. But those are the only three teams in terms of having receivers play at least six games and then taking their target share from the six games that had the wide receiver one and wide receiver two, both over 22% target share. So whether Kenny Britt's the 1A or the 1B or the 1 or the 2 there in Cleveland, uh, you know, on average, he'll be getting at minimum probably 22% target share, which is a bump from anything he's ever had in his career because Jeff Fisher offenses were only about 20% maximum target share to their wide receiver one. So he will get a boost in volume this year. I really do firmly believe that unless, you know, for some reason they drop him down to a wide receiver three, which I don't expect early on in the season, perfect depth of target profile matchup against Pittsburgh. Finally, Marvin Jones, he's healthy. Uh, when he was healthy last year, he just put up bananas numbers. He gets a game again in, in, at home, in the dome, could shoot out. And so if you're, if you're using Matthew Stafford, you gotta stack him with somebody. Maybe it's Theo Riddick. Maybe it is also Marvin Jones. I like him at his price point. He saw a lot of volume in that third preseason game as well. Yeah, great stuff, Nick. Pretty much hit on a lot of my guys, a lot of similar guys as to me. I just want to throw two more names out there. Um, you know, got when you go for these high-scoring games, these games that could possibly shoot out, you want to look at the number one wide receiver and, and a guy I think a lot of people might avoid. Um, given you know they see those red numbers on DraftKings when it says you know Seattle defense, um, it's Jordy Nelson, 7600, uh, a guy that last year caught six for 41 and two touchdowns. One of his uh, two or three multi-touchdown games actually came against Seattle Seahawks, so I think he could be a nice play. And I want to really just kind of gauge your interest on this one because it's one, it's a name I've been throwing around in my head. So Odell Beckham is a guy that we, you know, still remaining fairly questionable for this game. Um, I, I believe there's a report today saying he was a lot more hopeful than he was expecting to be playing. So coming down from that, Sterling Shepard 
going against this very vulnerable Cowboys secondary, one that lost a lot of talent over this offseason, um, on a team that really lacks any sort of significant talent in the run game. Um, we're not going to expect any uh, big plays out of a guy like a Sterling Shepard, but uh, for the price you're going to be able to get him at, which I think is around 4000 let me double-check that really quick, 4100 um, a guy who could see double-digit targets possibly in a game to where I can imagine the Giants throwing a lot, having to really you know lean on Eli Manning. Um, you know, a guy probably one that's going to go quite low. Oh, what do you think about Sterling Shepard this week? So this has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Sterling Shepard hater because I am, <laughs> but but I think he is a, a a terrible play this week, and I'm going to give a couple reasons why. First, even if Odell Beckham Jr. is out. Uh, uh, you know, the situation there hasn't really changed at wide receiver. That just means Brandon Marshall be the one to, to Sterling Shepard being the two, which, which instead of Odell Beckham being the one and Sterling Shepard the two, that's how it's going to play. Sterling Shepard last year didn't really get huge volume. Occasionally he got, you know, twice he got 11 targets, but what did he do with those 11 targets? One game he had 61 yards and a touchdown. Another game he had 50 yards and a touchdown for 16 and 19.3 fantasy points respectively. That 19.3 is the maximum fantasy points, DraftKings points he put up all year. And for my $4,100 guy, I want 25, 30-point upside. You know, I mentioned Kenny Britt last year. He was down in that uh, really low price range. I need to actually pull up what his price tag was, but he put up 34 points. Uh, you know, that, that's that's something that I want from my wide receiver in that price range. You know, Kenny Britt, he was $3,700. He put up 35.6 points in that game. I want that kind of upside. I have not seen that from Sterling Shepard. The most amount of yards that Shepard got was 73 last year. He doesn't have a hundred point uh, or hundred yard upside, which gives you three point bonus on DraftKings. He doesn't have double digit reception upside as we've seen because he's only received double digit targets twice in his career. Just not a huge volume guy. Doesn't get a really deep downfield. Short. Uh, you know, short, if, if you're getting short depth of target, it's going to be very hard for you to break a hundred yards, uh, unless you get massive volume, like a Jarvis Landry can do, or like a Keenan Allen can do, but he's not getting that kind of volume or yeah, that kind of volume relative to his depth of target. And I think this is the problem we faced with Tavon Austin last year as well. His depth of target is so short that even in the most favorable of matchups, uh, just not going to be accumulating a lot of yards. And yes, he has has a touchdown, even sometimes two touchdown upside he could. Uh, he, he didn't get any two touchdown games last year. But uh, the point is that, that you know, Sterling Shepard really doesn't have a huge upside versus some of these other guys in the $4,000 range. John Brown can drop 25 to 30. Kenny Britt can drop 25 to 35. Marvin Jones has, I think, dropped 40 last year in one game. So uh, I want that kind of upside in my $4,000 range. Yeah, those are some fair points, I will say. You know, kind of like you mentioned, the, the upside potential that you really need, even with the guys that are lower salary. Um, Josh Hermsmeyer, I believe, actually, and I wrote of his Slack chat, Posted a chart the other day, um, even from a guy around you know a five thousand, um, you know three thousand to five thousand, you're gonna want your guys to have it some sort of possibility to return twenty six to twenty eight points. I think he may be right that that may be a little too lofty for Sterling Shepard at least at this point in his career. So fair enough, fair enough. And let's move on to the tight end position. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a straightforward week. I think a lot of people are going to be on Zach Ertz. That's probably why I'm going to be looking to maybe play some plays that um, are, are essentially just not named Zach Ertz. Uh, do you happen to really have anyone that you liked a lot at the position, or are you going to go uh, fairly chalk at it and look to 
kind of um, make your differentiation elsewhere this week? Yeah, I, I think Ertz is a guy that it's it's going to be hard for me to get off of, but I don't want to be completely on Zach Ertz. I'll probably be around equal weight to the field. It could be somewhere in that 35% range, I think, maybe even up to 40%. I do think Delaney Walker will absorb some ownership percentage there because Oakland has been so bad against the tight end position over the years. So a name that I like pivoting off of both of those, there's two names I have here. One is Tyler Eifert. If it's not going to be Jeremy Hill getting the touchdowns and it's not going to be A.J. Green getting the touchdowns, which it could be, it's it's going to be Tyler Eifert, I think. Uh, it, it might be mixed, and it, you know, it might be uh, Gio Bernard or one of the other auxiliary receivers there. But I think the biggest touchdown threat in Cincinnati is probably Tyler Eifert outside A.J. Green. Uh, he's priced $300 more expensive than Delaney Walker on DraftKings, so he's not a bargain there. That could keep people off of him. I like that he has just massive touchdown upside. I think over was the stat over his last 18 games. He has 17 touchdowns or something like that. So I definitely like my tight end there in Tyler Eifert. One other name I like is Martellus Bennett. And we talked about this a little bit last week uh, on our show. I really like team total for tight ends. That's the one time I really do use Vegas lines. The team total right now for the tight end position for Green Bay. Well, I mean, just the team total for Green Bay is 27 points, which is one of the higher team totals on the slate. Uh, right now, it's kind of tied with both Atlanta. Well, just right behind Atlanta and Pittsburgh, who are at 27 and a half. Martellus Bennett and the Green Bay Packers right at 27. He's got Aaron Rodgers, and and you know certainly he could be an end zone threat at 4100 dollars if he catches a touchdown, four or five balls for 40 or 50 yards. That's more than enough. You know, I think let, let's say he gets four for 50. Uh, that's that's nine DraftKings points right there. You add in a touchdown, that's 15 at 4,100. That could be good enough. It might not be great, but it could be good enough. And that, that's kind of like, you know, almost like a median projection for him if he gets a touchdown. If he, if he gets an upside in terms of volume, you could have six, seven targets, 70, 80, maybe even topping 100 yards, depending on the situation there. Uh, Martellus Bennett is a player I think has multiple touchdown upside as well in this game. So, uh, Martellus Bennett is going to be my contrarian corner tight end as well as Tyler Eifert. Great stuff, Nick. I, I only got two names to add here, um, and I'm not super confident in one of them. I'm just going to throw them out there anyway. Let's start. Jimmy Graham on the other side of the game, uh, Seattle Green Bay, 5,100. I think he's a guy that you know could see number two targets, considering there's really no solidified number two wide receiver on the Seahawks right now. Jermaine Curse is out of town. Paul Richardson is coming back, but he is a lot more of... Uh, let's, say, let's say potential, along with Tyler Lockett as well. I think he's just uh, a lot of potential, but we just really haven't seen it yet from these guys. Jimmy Graham, um, he's a you know, fantastic threat in the red zone. Um, and if this game really kind of shoots off like some are expecting it to go, Jimmy Graham could be hauling in uh, a couple of touchdowns this week, which would be fantastic at that price. And just one more name because it just really stuck in my head. You know, Over the RV32 series, uh, we had a Oakland beat writer on that really talked up um, without a whole lot of um, goading really for him to, to do so. It's Jared Cook, 3300 Um He's right in that same price range as Zach Ertz. He's going to be a guy I would I would say it's probably below 5% for sure. Um, he had mentioned that Jared Cook was a guy that Derek Carr was really looking at constantly in camp, throwing him a ton of balls. We've seen the upside from Jared Cook in the past. Even if it's not consistent, it's still a guy that if you want to take a complete pump, you know, pump play on at the position, I think could really... You could essentially fill your entire lineup full of chalk, play Jared Cook, and you're going to have a completely novel lineup. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting play. You mentioned how he's in that similar 
price range to Ertz. You also, uh, you know, I like both of your calls here because Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook, <clears throat> excuse me, their team totals are 24 points, and that's on the upper half of, you know, of the team totals here for the weekend. So uh, both of those are, are right there in terms of mid to upper range team total. Another thing that I really like looking at in those stats. So like both of those calls. Great stuff, Nick. Let's move on. But before we do, we have a message from our friends over at Draft. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's the Draft app. Here's how it works. So you do a draft, lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. And the best part... Play for cold, hard cash. Draft started from just $1, so there's a draft for everybody. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. So come join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code RV Radio. That's right. Play a real money game for free for just using our promo code RV Radio on your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to playdraft.com and play free with promo code RV Radio. Please welcome to the show, David Gamboa. David does marketing for Draft, and we're really excited to partner with Draft this year at Rotoviz Radio. Uh, we're going to be doing a segment on Draft every week of our daily fantasy podcast here at On the Daily DFS. David, first of all, I mean, week one is coming up in just a couple days, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're just we're so excited to partner with you guys. Draft is actually kind of new to me this year. This is the first time I've started playing up. I've signed up. I joined some week one contests. But for those who haven't checked out Draft yet, first just tell them what Draft is all about, and then where can somebody go to check out fantasy games at Draft? Yeah, so first off, you know, thanks a ton for having me on. I appreciate it. And we're super excited to introduce your listeners to us. We're, we're pretty new and a lot of people haven't heard of us before, but there's, a, there's a quite a few key differences. And I think the first one to start off with is the fact that there's no salary caps on our site, which really fundamentally changes a lot of the components of how everything works. So there's no player overlaps. There's no multi-entry. There's, it's, there's a lot less chance of kind of getting kind of connected with a pro every single match. So pretty much what happens is our algorithms will say, oh, you've played this person, so you can't play this person again at that same price point. So you're really protected. So ultimately what we've built is this place where the casual sports fan, the casual fantasy player can come and have a really great time. And they're doing something that is already familiar to them is the snake draft format, which you do with your friends at the beginning of the season only. But the real big difference is that instead of sitting with your friends hours and hours on end, you can do that same format. That's really fun. And you can be done in five minutes. And as far as where you can go play, like, you know, we have our mobile apps, um, we've got a website as well. Uh, we're going to be draft.com now, actually. So that's really awesome. And then you can find us on Play Store and App Stores. And they're the highest rated fantasy apps around if you look them up uh, compared to the other guys. So so they're a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, we're excited. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say, just in the App Store right there, I just typed in Draft, and uh, it was the first one that popped up. Easy to find. You just hit install, and you're good to go. Uh, so you mentioned that you mentioned you know some games there for for beginners I guess there you can't really get matched up with experts a ton of times. Can you just maybe expand on that a little bit? How do you really protect uh, like new players? People that are very new to draft uh, with your you know with your app and your service there. Yeah, so if you're new to draft, there's, there's quite a few ways we protect you. Uh, the one way that for sure protects you is that we have these beginner contests that start at only a dollar, so that. What happens is you get to get, come in and kind of get your feet wet with a low entry point if you want to play for money. And those contests only have people who are also beginners. And the way we define a beginner is that you haven't done more than 20 money games. So let's say someone goes out and starts doing a bunch of hundreds and everything. Like at, at that point, we'll say, you know what, you're not a beginner anymore. You clearly know what you're doing. And so that protects players. The other way that we protect kind of the casual player is, like I said, I think the kind of algorithm matching where what happens is pretty much if you jump into a draft and let's say you get matched up against some pro, right? Like yeah, how sometimes on the other guys you'll, you'll jump in and you'll get the same person back to back to back. And clearly they're doing something to try to take your money on draft. What will happen is we'll say, okay, you already played this person. Uh, we won't match you against them at the same price point again. So you're protected to just kind of keep playing and get different, different contestants every time. That's awesome. Uh, so, you, you know, we've got all these different ways for, for beginners to join games. Let's talk about the types of weekly games that Draft offers for NFL. I know there's there's snake drafts all the way from 2 to 12 players. Can you just touch a little bit on the different types of weekly games that Draft offers at NFL? Yeah, so we have the normal, you know, snake drafts uh, that you jump in. They're 3 to 12 player, and they start from a dollar and go all the way up. We're still kind of finding what our maximum is. I know we're thinking of doing a thousand dollar draft in there somewhere, but that's one way to do it. It's just kind of going and entering our so have um, a thing called dream team, which is a little play on the salary cap format, just no actual salary cap. What happens is you go in and you build your dream team. So you just kind of pick your favorite players, not you're not restricted by any kind of cap. So you could technically have a team with, you know, Odell, uh, David Johnson, Antonio Brown, uh, who else? Jarvis Landry, and finally a quarterback. You could have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or anyone you want, and you're not restricted and kind of jump into these these uh, leagues and like battle it out. And what happens is it's a lot of fun because you get all the guys you want, and you're not restricted. So it doesn't take time. It's kind of one of these. It's a fun format that we've seen a lot of people jump into when they're in the between picks or something. Sometimes just for a little bit of fun. And the last thing I'll mention, which is a lot of fun, and is new to us this year for NFL, at least, I believe, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. And we might have had it towards the end, but um, it's, how do I explain this? It's pretty much March madness, but you're actually a part of it. So we have bracket tournaments and right now they're only head to head. And I'll give you a little sneak preview that multiplayer tournaments are on their way over too. Um, but I'll explain the head to heads first. So in head to head draft tournament, pretty much what happens is you'll jump in and let's say it's a 512 person bracket. You'll obviously be split up on both sides. You'll do a head-to-head draft. And as the weeks go on, you'll move down this bracket if you win to get to this final draft at the very end, maybe week seven or whatever, and it'll be a $5,000, $10,000 prize for that last draft. And what we're super excited about is you could have a lot of entrants in a multiplayer draft and really increase the prize with by keeping the entry, entry amount low. So you could be a $28 entry with... I don't know, 512 person and 
what happens is you're all on both sides of the bracket, but what'll happen is it'll be a 10 person draft and the top two will advance. So it's a lot more skilled, a lot more difficult granted, but it should be a lot of fun because you're going to get deeper into the draft. There's going to be crazier picks that have to be made to win it. And you could potentially be getting down to, let's say a $100,000 final table or whatever, eventually. So that's something we're really excited about. And I know it's a format that through NBA, a lot of people really, really enjoyed because it's a different spin on tournaments. There's no, you know, you don't have the same people in, you don't have 10 lineups in one tournament. It's actually kind of comes down to your own drafting skill and no one can have the same guys as you. So it's, it's a fun way to play. And I think that's kind of a, a new twist on the snake draft form. And how do we also increase entry or prizes? Because I know that's something we heard a lot last year um, was you guys, you know, don't have big prizes or anything like that. So that's well, one solution we've come up to for people who want bigger prizes. I love it. We're getting a sneak preview right here on Rotoviz Radio yeah. on, on the Daily DFS. That's great. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, a lot of people are probably new to draft this year, including myself. And I think one of the cool things is just how intuitive, interactive, uh, easy to use the app is. But let's talk about just in terms of the drafts themselves. How frequently do they run? Does somebody have to sign up for a draft and then and then wait for uh, a long time? Or, or how quickly do these drafts run? So these drafts fill pretty quickly. And, you know, this year, I think, you know, we got bought uh, by Patty Power Betfair a few months ago and pretty much they've been awesome and only pretty much threw cash at us and said, hey, go spend on marketing, make this product, make everyone know about this product, but we don't want to get in the way. You guys clearly built something good here. So we should have a ton more players this year and it's going really well so far, which obviously only adds to the liquidity. And so right now drafts are feeling super fast head to heads fill within maybe a minute right now. So, and obviously, you know, as you go down, they take a little bit longer, but on NFL Sundays and Saturdays, what we've seen is just even last year with lower liquidity drafts would fill under 10 minutes, no matter which one you want There was times when it was under five minutes. And so you just go in, you join and you can join more than one. You don't have to only join one and they fill super fast. So there's no waiting and you're done super fast as well. So that just adds to the excitement. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we always want the, the instant gratification these days. And I love when I'm able to just exactly. join, join a draft and then just draft right there, right then and finish it up really quickly. That's my favorite kind of draft. You don't have to wait around for your buddies. I got a draft. Yeah. I got my home draft tonight and we've been planning this thing for months. I can just jump right in there. I love that. Uh, I, I do want to remind our listeners for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit at Rotoviz or at draft using the promo code RV radio. Uh, so David, I mean, my, my co-host Heath, you couldn't be here right now, but he and I, we're definitely going to play a lot of contests this year. I think we're going to keep track of our results. One of the things I'm really excited about is, especially with some of these 12-teamer snake drafts, uh, there's a lot of strategy that might be kind of untapped in terms of research. I don't know uh, if you know, but I'm a, I'm a mathematician by trade, so I'm going to be doing some research, and we're going to be cranking out this content this year for you guys. Uh, we really appreciate your time, and we look forward to drafting week one and the rest of the year. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm, I'm stoked to be partnering with you guys this year, and it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and, and enjoy week one. Enjoy the NFL season. Thanks, David. Thanks, you too.
right, let's get into our draft segment of the week, Nick. Uh, me and you, we had a little bit of a uh, an experiment, kind of going back and forth. We we, we did a head to head snake draft on draft. It's pretty fun. Um, kind of you know one of those all star type lineups things. It's you know kind of fun to do. Um, you know the results of the the these um this draft, excuse me. Um, kind of looking at our teams, I'll just kind of line them. Um, you know, lay him out there really quick. I ended up with Russell Wilson at quarterback, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Brown, and Julio Jones, whereas Doc ended up with Aaron Rodgers, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, A.J. Green, and Amari Cooper. Now, I thought I went with a lot more chalk here with my picks. I was uh, quite interested to hear your reasoning on uh, particularly A.J. Green. Yeah, so I actually picked both A.J. Green and Amari Cooper before you ended up picking, I think it was Julio Jones. And my thinking behind that was this is a, a little bit of a, a cool thing about Josh Hermsmeyer's app that he has. He looked at Julio Jones on grass, and Julio Jones basically has broken the threshold for a, you know, a millionaire-making winning wide receiver at his price point on grass only once in his career. So I wanted some upside as well as some safety. I think both AJ Green and Amari Cooper being wide receiver ones give me safety. They also give me upside. And if one of these two hits for a monster game, I think it's much more likely that one of these two hits for a monster game than Julio Jones, uh, just because of, well, you know, obviously we're not talking price here on, on draft, but the point is, just in just in general, these guys could all be priced pretty similar. I mean, we got Julio Jones in ADP as the wide receiver too. AJ Green right around the wide receiver five or so. It depends on if you prefer Mike Evans or Jordy Nelson or AJ Green, but you know it could be argued he's right around the wide receiver five overall. So not a huge difference in wide receiver ADP. I think AJ Green has great upside this week. Matches up very well again in the depth of target racer that I like to look at. And Amari Cooper, the same thing. He matches up very well against Tennessee in the depth of target racer. Uh, you know, he was not very good in the short game. Amari Cooper himself uh, at short depth of target. If you look at Amari Cooper's, you know, not de- not defensive racer against Tennessee, but his own personal offensive racer was pedestrian at the short distance. But at the longer distance, where he had a lot more targets than his counterpart Michael Crabtree. He matched up very well against the Titans, who struggled a little bit more in that medium distance range. So I like the upside for both A.J. Green and Amari Cooper over Julio Jones, and that's why I chose the two of them there. They both are also touchdown threats, just like Julio Jones is. So, you know, in any given week, they could get touchdowns. Amari Cooper, high total in that game. A.J. Green, lower total, but I think he's going to be obviously the one number one option there in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff, Nick. And, and really, I, I kind of thought my lineup was kind of boring, to tell you the truth. It's pretty chalky. And then I, I just wanted to, before we move on, I really wanted to mention um, the LaShawn McCoy pick. I, I think it's really a fantastic one, even over the, the Zeke pick, which I believe I took Zeke before LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I really hadn't thought much about the New York Jets matchup because, you know, it was really one of those that was, um, it's a defense representative of a fantastic defensive line, really stacked up front. And you just pick them apart in the secondary. Well, you know, with Sheldon Richardson going to Seattle, that's severely hindered. The Bills themselves are, are still unsure if Tyrod Taylor is even going to play this week. So I would imagine that LaShawn McCoy, and especially with Doug Marone and that, and that Buffalo Bills offense, they already like to rush. So if they have the capabilities of doing it and his passing upside, 
Um, and, and Jordan Matthews still, I don't even think he's gotten back on the field yet. Alashawn uh, McCoy could just see so, so much work in a game to where they're just going to be able to do whatever they want against this lowly Jets team. I think LaShawn McCoy was a, was a really great call. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a, a kind of a call I made there and I actually did pick him before you picked Zeke, but, uh, yeah, I think just again, that home favorite, that, that high median point total when he is a home favorite in, in, in the favorable matchup, all of that. You know, you mentioned banged up Jordan Matthews. You mentioned uh, Tyrod Taylor. They're they're kind of changing the way they're using Tyrod, I think, now. And and Evan Silva's hot take is that Tyrod Taylor won't even end up the year as the Bills quarterback, starting quarterback. So I just think this points to a really rush-oriented team this year. And LaShawn McCoy gets work in the pass game as well. All right, let's move on to our uh, final segment of the day. But before we do... The fantasy football world, much like the sports world, Nick, is one where everyone's looking for advice. Typically, people are looking for advice on who they should play, which side are they going to bet, and you know, and so on. But for some reason, people never ask where they should be betting. It's just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their reputation, it's solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so right off the bat, you're making money. You don't have to do anything. They have the fastest payouts, as fast is two business days. You listen to us, you do the research, you put forth the effort, and you know who's going to win, right? So why don't you lay down some cash and win big today? I used my bookie just last weekend. I'm going to be using it this weekend, actually. I have a few bets. I'm looking at you, Browns. Um, and it really could not have been any easier with the mobile app. That's why I'm urging you all to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site. My favorite parts, like I mentioned, that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use promo code ROTONFL to activate the offer. Just visit my aid mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid all right nick let's wrap this show up theory and bets segment so we're going to start with a few topics you know really just kind of how you're going to approach dfs in general throughout the entire season and let's start with vegas lines were there any vegas lines you week uh, this week that you think are really kind of far off uh, you know relative to to your thoughts on how everything's going to shake out yeah, this one's a, a tough week. I know week one is is incredibly hard because this is the week where we know the least. Um, and one thing I have had a lot of success in the past is really studying which defenses have made significant improvements. Uh, I think there are three that kind of stand out to me this year. One of those, and, and, and the reason is twofold on all three of these defenses. First of all, all three of these defenses were in the top four in terms of free agents spent on defense uh, on new players. And then second of all, all, three of these defenses acquired multiple high round draft picks on defense. So maybe they aren't uh, necessarily the best defenses to start off the year, but maybe towards the end of the year, they're very good. Although some of them could improve right off the bat. We saw this last year with the New York Giants. The second week of the season, the New York Giants played the New Orleans Saints. It was in New York, so Drew Brees on the road, you know, on grass. And then you have the New York Giants defense, who spent the most in free agency last year on defense. The total during the day moved from like 51.5 all the way up to 54. I tweeted out, I placed a large bet on the Giants and Saints under 54. The game only ended up with 29 points. So I'm kind of looking at things like that for my early season edges. And the three teams that it, that did this this year in terms of the top three, three of the top four spend as well as using multiple high draft picks. One was Indianapolis. 
One was the Tennessee Titans and one was the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, I, I do think I've made, you know, obviously made some calls there on Cincinnati and Baltimore, um, or at least in terms of Cincinnati defense, maybe some correlation plays there. There is a chance that game does go under uh, because of the improvements Baltimore has made on defense. But, you know, they've they have been banged up both on offense and on defense. So I'm a little less confident that that game is going to go under the 42 and a half. You have another game here. I mentioned the Indianapolis Colts. They've got the Rams at 41 and a half total. Uh, you've got a really bad Jared Goff. You've got a, a, a Scott Tolzien who is, is, you know, very much a backup quarterback in the NFL. And you've got a Rams defense that's pretty good, but missing Aaron Donald. And then a Colts defense that should be improved, but could potentially be missing Vontae Davis. I am kind of staying away from that one. But I think there is a chance that this Oakland-Tennessee game goes under. And that's why you haven't heard me mention stacking Derek Carr, stacking you know Marcus Mariota. I think this is the game that has potential to go under. And the reason is twofold. First, there's been some concerns about Marcus Mariota throwing to his right. It definitely bears it out if you look at the road of his AYA app that Marcus Mariota's passes to the right aren't uh, the highest AYA. And so Richard Matthews should be lining up on the right more than the left. Eric Decker should be lining up on the left. Uh, and, and so I don't mind Eric Decker. I think also the depth profile helps Eric Decker. But Richard Matthews, that really long depth of target that he can get sometimes. Oakland has been pretty good against the deep ball. So I think they match up well against the, the Titans, especially if teams are starting to pick up on Mariota's tendencies here in the third year. And then you add in the fact that Tennessee has an improved defense probably. I think there's a chance this game goes under. It is one of the highest totals. It is, uh, you know, tied right up there for, depending on, on your site, you know, Green Bay, Seattle around 50 and a half, 51. Same with the Oakland, Tennessee game around 50 and a half, 51. I think there's a chance this game goes under and I think it could be, uh, on one side or the other, maybe both sides. So I, I like, I like playing defenses from these games and I also like betting the under on this game, not stacking this game in DFS, but maybe just picking pieces from this game in DFS this weekend. Some really interesting points. I, I really hadn't considered it, to tell you the truth. Um, just to kind of throw out a couple of ideas of my own, um, I thought the Carolina Panthers, San Francisco 49ers line was quite odd with a uh, game total at 48. And the uh, Carolina Panthers favored by five on the road, taking on the 49ers. And it's not that I, I'm expecting some large leap um, just because they got they have Kyle Shanahan as their head coach now in San Francisco. It's more of... When I think of the Carolina Panthers coming off of last season, um, I think a lot of people have high expectations on a rebound that might not necessarily come because I still can't really think of something that's, you know, something significant that's really coming from last season to this season that's going to for sure just be rock solid and really carry them to, um, to this justified game total or this justified team total of uh, being favored by five. I thought that was a little interesting. And then one more, uh, was the, um, the Cleveland Browns, plus eight at home, plus eight at home. We all know of Ben's, you know, home road splits. You know, I'm not typically one that looks at those kinds of things as um, something that is, you know, just kind of something that's set in stone, but it's very significant. And, you, and you've really seen it um, when, when Ben Roethlisberger, especially in division games, goes on the road to give a home team eight points. Um, Raymond Summerlin has been a guy who was, I believe a sports better in the past has really just, you know, harpened on the fact that if you see a significant home, uh, home dog point, even if the game, even if the team is, uh, quite lowly, it's pretty easy to just bet on them and get a pretty decent win rate at that. Yeah. I'd like both of those calls actually. And those are two that I, I didn't even mention. I like the, the, 
the Browns more as like a spread bet. And then I like the uh, the San Francisco 49ers almost more as a money line bet. I think they can win that game. So I'm, I'm on board with both of those calls. All right, let's move on to DST play. So, you know, DST is kind of one of the more um, – I don't think there's a solidified reasoning as to – um, how you how you should approach DST in DFS every week? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic. Yeah, so we we talked about this I think last week. I like looking at games that could shoot out where you're you're taking the with the winning side of that game. Um, I think it, obviously it reduces the ownership percentage on the play you're going to make. And defense is such a highly variable position. You just sometimes need that one pick six and, and a sack or two. And as long as you don't give up like a, you know. Even if you give up 30, 40 points, if you get a touchdown, four sacks, you know, another turnover in there somewhere, you're going to have a respectable score. And if you can hold the opponent, maybe instead of the game shooting out in the 30s and 40s for each team, maybe it shoots out like 28 to 31 and, and you're holding your opponent to 28. So you're really not doing a lot of damage on the, on the points against side for your defense. Then you have the chance to put up a, a 12, 15, 18 point game. So what teams are going to be potentially in high scoring games? that could be favored towards the end of the game. I think Dallas is a defense that definitely has the chance to do this. This take total is 47.5, so one of the higher totals of the weekend uh, against the New York Giants here. And they are favored, and they're also going to be playing Eli Manning, who has been known to throw interceptions in the past. I think the Giants will be – or sorry, I think the Dallas Cowboys defense will be pretty low-owned, and it is a positive matchup for them. And, and, and you know, again, at home – could generate some interceptions, could generate a turnover pick six. This game could shoot out a little bit, especially with Ezekiel Elliott back. I think there's a chance that the Dallas defense overall will be a good play because they'll be favored throughout this game and favored to win. Um, a couple other games that I think you know kind of fit this billing are Tennessee and Oakland. I think the, both of those defenses are in play just because, I, A, I think this game will go under. I don't think it'll go under like like how it happened last year with the Saints and, and Giants that I mentioned where there are only 29 points, but... This could go under, you know, maybe be a 48-point game or something like that, and it could be 28-20. to 20. You could see a defensive touchdown in there, something like that. So both of these defenses will be very low-owned as well. Uh, I personally like the Oakland side of this better. I, I, I know there's been some reverse line movement, which should favor Tennessee in this. I'm still on the Oakland side, but, uh, you know, these are really contrarian defensive plays. I, I think you can get some other good defensive plays as, as well, uh, you know, from this slate without having to go so contrarian. One of those, for example, um, I think, you know, could be Cincinnati that I talked about. Maybe not as contrarian, but uh, a banged up Joe Flacco. The total isn't as high as I'd like in terms of reducing ownership percentage, but I still think Cincinnati won't have the ownership percentage of the Rams or or the Bills or anything like that. Yeah, DST is an interesting position, um, especially this week, as I think it's going to be pretty, at least on the surface, I think it's going to be fairly easy. It, maybe not not exactly which teams to pick, but clearly which teams to avoid, as I think there's going to be a large pooling of um, selections with the Buffalo Bills, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Houston Texans, as they're all fairly obvious plays because of, you know, you have rookie quarterback starting, you just have some fairly lowly teams, you have a, a turnover machine and Blake Bortles. Um, so I, it's really kind of like just just avoid those three, and I think you'll be okay. As, um, you know, in, in the in the chart that Josh Hermsmeyer uh, LinkedIn, I wrote of his Slack chat. You don't necessarily need to hit on those defenses that have the capabilities of putting up 25. You know, in those Millie Maker lineups, if you can get around 15 points 
that's really all, all you need. So you essentially just have to have you, you need a defense that has the capability of getting you know a, a turnover score, and that's just about it. So um, targeting these games, you know, kind of like you mentioned the Oakland Tennessee game, which that was quite interesting. You, you think it'll be on on the under? Hit the under there. Um, just some teams that will. Um, be able to just generate some turnovers based on the number of passing attempts, the interceptions, and you just kind of, you know, some broken things here and there that could really just um, let a, a low-owned defense for a cheap price just kind of pay off pretty pretty handsomely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one other final topic I wanted to bring up is the flex position, and we – we mentioned this on uh, last week's show, but when the, the the season started last year, the first six winning Millie Maker lineups all had a wide receiver in their flex. Then eight of the next ten had a running back. I don't see a ton of value this week at the running back position in terms of like just really cratered, obvious, massive value. So I'm going to be playing a wide receiver in the flex again, probably and if I do 150 lineups, it'll be more than 100 of my 150 lineups that I'll be playing a wide receiver in the flex. It seems like the most obvious play this weekend for me, given that you can have upside from guys like Marvin Jones, John Brown, Kenny Britt in that $4,000 range. Maybe even a Kendall Wright you could play at 3,200 if he, you know, if he gets you 15 points. Let's say he gets you five, six receptions for 50, 60 yards and a touchdown. That could be good enough for somebody like Kendall Wright. 18 fantasy points right there at 3,200. So. Um, I, I think this is a week where I'm going to be playing a wide receiver in the flex a vast majority of the time. Yeah, completely agree. There just really isn't that guy that is a significant, a significant value at the running back position that is not named Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, um, or any guys that we should, you know, expect high ownership percentage with. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm just going to be looking at some of the guys in the lower end of the salary range, uh, like a Randall Cobb, John Brown. I think even a Marvin Jones is a little interesting. Um, I don't think I'll have too many of him, but a guy I think could um, really, you just saw it in there in the flex position, and he could easily grab you one or two touchdowns like he like he did last year. All right, and that's going to do it. This is a pretty long show, but it's a perfect, uh, really, set-off for, for, you know, the week one of the NFL season. We want to get you as much information as we possibly can, so... Let's cut this off right here. Um, you you can find us on Twitter. You can find myself at Heath K on Twitter. And, of course, the one you really want to follow, Nick Giffen, at RotoDoc. Be sure to check us out on RotoViz. Down, you know, check out the latest articles um, and, and the, essentially the articles that we mentioned today. Be sure not to miss those. Um, and, yeah, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. 
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.